I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. And welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. As ever, your host, Matt Dixon. Ask Daddy Anything. It was Father's Day this week in the US, and I took the chance to take a little breather, step back, and invite questions from folks, listeners, and athletes all around performance, labelled by Kerry, the Ask Daddy Anything show. Today, the results, my rambles and answers to questions that you, at least a few selection of you, asked me. Topics, we have several. But a few of the highlights include my thoughts on the return to racing, workout stacking, is it better to go back to back or split between morning and afternoon sessions, managing training and sporting life with a little snapper, that's a newborn for you that's not born in Ireland, and my greatest worry for athletes, employees and leaders over the coming months as we emerge from these times, but also My hopes and the silver linings. Where do I see the bright sparks of performance amongst the strain of the challenge that society has faced? It all adds up to a fun, eclectic and informative day at the office. Or I should say, from home. Let's roll into it. But first, a squatty update. Yes, folks, a few little snippets this week to start the squatty update. First, a final reminder... One-to-one coaching, celebration of the journey, all around Jesse Thomas, just how he likes it. June 30th is the final day. Join by then and you get a free subscription to what they label the Piggy Club. A goodie delivery subscription from Jesse's Piggy Bar Company. Super stuff and all with the celebration of our coaching relationship. Purplepatchfitness.com forward slash Piggy Bars promo. That's Picky Bars promo. Oh, and if you don't need or want coaching, you can still grab 25% off with a nice discount code at the same page. We've also got another event coming up for the the June 30th time. If you register for squad using the promo code Precision Hydration, well, you're going to be one of the very few lucky guests to be invited to sit on an exclusive educational roundtable with both, both myself and Dandy Blow. It's heating up in the Northern Hemisphere. Global fatigue is creeping in. And Andy and I will discuss ways of how to combat so that you continue to emerge stronger. To register, head to purplepatchfitness.com forward slash squad. And remember the code precision hydration, all one word. But with all those little snippets out of the way, what about our current athletes? Well, let's have a little natter about them. Interestingly, the emerging theme that we noticed this week with our squaddies was daily energy. We've had a lot of discussions around fatigue in the last couple of weeks and a little bit around the accumulation of training load. And in discussions with many athletes, one-to-one or via our private community pages, a common theme emerged. We noticed that there tended to be too high for our like of a percentage of athletes that were wandering around their daily life with very mild but noticeable dehydration. Now, most of these athletes, quote, knew the value and importance of hydration, but they'd failed to join the dots. The combination of sweaty indoor training sessions, outside temperatures rising, and a lack of awareness 
that came from working from home, many of our athletes failed to notice that they were actually underperforming in the very simple task of daily hydration. Lugging water bottles is all good and well, but if daily hydration doesn't work, well, it's going to play havoc with your energy management and, in fact, even your hunger management. Yes, the sleepiness and hunger that you often feel in the middle of the afternoon is often related to dehydration. And for most of our sleepy afternoon athletes, a very simple intervention of focusing on daily hydration, bottle on hand throughout, was a cure-all. More energised, focused and able to sustain energy when it counts in daily life. And so if you're feeling afternoon lulls, don't reach for the dirty sugar juice or the caffeine shots. Get hydrated, especially as we move into warmer temperatures. Now, let's get on. Out of squatty update. Let's get on to word of the week. Barry, it it, my son. Ukulele, please. We like the way he thinks. Serious with a wink. Let's open the book. It's time to take a peek. It's the Yes, the word of the week this week, let me be clear with you, it is clarity. They say that the truth hurts, but the truth of it is that truth is kindness. As a coach, leader or parent, realise that people tend to perform best with clarity. Over the last months, we've collectively been faced with challenge and a higher stress environment. And this situation has led many leaders to fall into the age-old trap of protectionism, not sharing bad news or trying to dilute the severity of the challenges faced. Whether it's coaches, cheerleading athletes towards the hope of May racing that, come on guys, it was never gonna happen. Or leaders sugarcoating financial realities. Short-term protectionism typically leads to longer-term challenge. People thrive in clarity. Of course, how you deliver that clarity is important, but never, ever shy away from it. Generally, people are better at handling truth than many give them credit for. And so, a point to ponder. Are you sugarcoating news because it's uncomfortable? If so, lean into clarity. It's your path to success. And that is why the word of the week, this week, is clarity. So now, let's get clear on the path ahead. It is the meat and potatoes. Okay, folks, the meat and potatoes, questions, your questions, a meat and potato special this week, ask daddy anything. We go through questions from you, I answer them off the cuff, hope that it's helpful, and then we all give each other a kiss and hug goodbye, not forgetting the Peter minute that comes at the end, don't worry. It's another tale of heroism. But the first question from Julia in New York. 
And her question goes like this. I'd love to know your thoughts on the return of races, particularly Ironman and Ironman 70.3 races. It looks like we're actually going to get a chance to race, but I have to say I'm hesitant. Do you have any thoughts on safety? Well, you couldn't have a more valuable or timely question, Julia. They say that daddy knows best. Actually, they don't. It's something that I say, but I'm hoping it spreads. But I'll say it again anyway. They say that daddy knows best, he says with confidence. But in this case, all I can do honestly is uh, well, offer some perspective. So ultimately, the question of whether to race or not is highly individual. And it's of course going to be set out by your own threshold of risk tolerance. But I will say a few things. I do know that Ironman and other race organisers have done an incredible amount of work to ensure that the safest possible scenario for racing is secured. Now, it's not going to be the same as it was before. It will be different, but it's not random. They're not just going out there to organise a race and saying, yeah, I think it's pretty good. Every major organisation is working with the CDC, local health authorities, epidemiologists. They're not doing this in a vacuum. And in fact, if you want to know more, I'd urge you to head to the show notes and watch the very well done video by Ironman showcasing the steps that they're taking to aim for a safe race experience. I must say it is comfortable viewing and it does feel like it's more of a reality than many of us might have thought. But I have to say a couple of other things as well. The first is when it comes to COVID-19, no one knows what will happen. No one. Now, I think that everybody shouldn't listen to social media to find their best facts. They should listen and follow to scientific advice and those people that spend their whole life studying viruses just like this. And there is, without doubt, a real concern around the trend of the virus. And we have an uncertain set of months ahead. I record this with levels rising in half the states in the US, with several states alarmingly so. I'll also say that while we're fatigued with the whole thing, I would urge you to not view the opening of the states and even some of the countries as a clear signal that we're past this virus. The decision to open was clearly made more on policy, risk and economic forecasting than it really was around health advice. So I think it's a consideration for you. And finally, I think that it's important to realise that perhaps one of the safest areas to be is in and around a race. They've put a tremendous amount of energy. But the one thing that's incredibly hard to control is what local authorities are doing around hotels and restaurants and everything else where you have to interact with the broader population. But doing that, doing that, of course, that's the same in any town that you're in at the time. And so no one, and I think Iron Man would agree with this, no one can say that it is all 100% safe. Very similar to flying, it is going to be an individual decision. If we take a 1,000 people racing in a town of 5,000 people with 1,500 volunteers, you are going to be in relatively close proximity throughout your visit. You might likely be in someone else's house or a hotel. You will have interactions. 
And then you ask yourself, what are the percentage of other competitors or volunteers that have been prudent in their lives over the last months? I hope all, but I doubt it. So I think that Ironman have done absolutely all they can do to ensure a safe race. Working endlessly with the CDC, epidemiologists, other healthcare professionals to set up the best case scenario. But with it all, right now, this week, I just don't know. I wouldn't force for anyone who chooses to step up and race, but equally, I would have great empathy for those that say, wait and see. The key in this is that either part from a global performance perspective has benefits. If you choose path one, race, celebrate, go around, enjoy the joy of the journey, connect with others, challenge yourself and see the fruits of your labours for the last months. But if you choose not to race, your performance journey doesn't end. In fact, it should march on, charge forward, continue to progress with training, set up a wonderful 2021. You still have a chance to grow, improve, evolve, head into the next year with the pumps primed for a personal evolution of performance. And so neither path is right or wrong. The right path is your path. I would urge you just to choose the path that you're comfortable with and that you can be proud of and that considers the broader picture of your friends, family and journey, not over the next two months, but over the next 10 years. Who do you want to be as a human? Where do you want to grow? And ensure that you're doing all that you can to do what's right for you. I know that isn't a yes or no answer, Julia, but I hope it helps. Question two for us today. This is from Larry, and Larry is a purple patch athlete based in North Carolina. And it is, folks, this is a goodie. Larry, this is my favourite question. Thank you. Please don't tell anyone else. It's just between us boys, okay? This is the favourite question of the day. Here we go. Matt, I'd love to know what your biggest concerns are for us, the athletes. And you can extend that to leaders and employees, etc., as I know that you like to do that. But as we collectively aim to emerge stronger, as you might say, from this collection of situations we find ourselves in, namely COVID-19, the conversation and challenges around race, economic stress, what are your biggest concerns? Hmm. Larry? It's a good one. Super stuff. Now, I had to think long and hard about this and I want to answer beyond the obvious here I'm obviously worried about what happens with COVID-19 will we see many more deaths and suffering as we edge towards the end of the year and into next I'm worried for the struggle for many people around the economic security and opportunity. I'm concerned about the likely roller coaster of the next series of months in the US and the ultimate path that we go forward as a society. I'm also add that I'm hopeful, at least, around the recent events around equality and race. And I hope that it is a watershed moment. I hope it just doesn't fall into the ether. I have no doubt we have a lot of hard work ahead and all of these things are true. But I want to answer your question 
tying it back to performance globally. After all, that's what this podcast is about, that word performance. And so what are my biggest worries? Well, my biggest concerns and worries around people's performance as they aim to come out of these situations, as you suggest, well, I think I can answer it by presenting two words, becoming fragile. Stress creates great pressure, and we have collectively had to sustain so much, manage the situation, and look to adapt. For the last months, there's also been a lot of introspection and an overflow of empathy, a real general rise in patience and understanding for each other. And super, you say, and so do I. But, but, and there is a but, there's also a line of caution. Because while it's important to grieve, as you might like to say, and it's important to support one another, be allies, retain empathy and understanding, we cannot allow ourselves as athletes or leaders or employees or parents to escape from a simple truth. And that's that there is no easy path to performance. When we collectively get hit from all sides, it can be deflating. And many people go inward and can slide towards apathy or self-pity. And that can become circular and cultural in which the collective slides to lower performance. You cannot allow this to happen. I don't say this to be cruel, but fragility will not result in high performance. The backbone of performance is hard work and it needs a little bloody-mindedness. It involves, how can I say it, it involves pulling your socks up and getting to it. This goes well beyond a term that you're going to hear more and more and that I say all the time, resilience. In fact, Professor Nassim Nicholas Taleb would say, anti-fragile. Essentially, meeting the adversity and not just surviving in the way that you might talk about resilience, but instead thriving out of it. Finding a way to, how do I say, oh, that's it, emerge stronger. There's a reason that I don't say, come on, folks, let's emerge back to normal. It's like, no, you take the stress that's hitting us from all sides and we have a lot of self-empathy, self-compassion for each other, but we cannot be fragile. We need to step up. You as an individual, the team, the company, society will only emerge stronger if we take this adversity and we use it. We seek routes to improve, to thrive, to get stronger. And I think it can be done. But my biggest concern is a slide to fragility. Now, with that, it seems that our Larry is kind of a smart boy because he did a follow-up question as well. And I've got to say, Larry, it's too good to miss. And so, and I do not want you to tell anyone, Larry, just on the side, just tangentially, this is my second favourite question of the show. But question three, it's from Larry again, perhaps is the hero of the show this week, who knows? 
But the question three is, what is your greatest hope for us athletes? And extend that to leaders and employees, if you would like. Thank you very much for your permission granted there, Larry. But what is your greatest hope for us athletes as we aim to emerge stronger? Ah, I see what you did there, Larry. You got me to finish on a more positive note, eh? Well, another deep one. And Larry, it's another question that I had to reflect on. And the fact is, I think for almost everyone, that while this has been terribly challenging and obviously a public health global catastrophe, economic challenge, the fabric of society being stretched, there have been some real silver linings for many. I don't have one. I have a few. So I'm going to do them as quick hits. These are the things that I've noticed, and perhaps this is personal, but I know that there are probably many of you listening that maybe feel the same. So some of the silver linings that have come out of this, I think, are the first, a very basic one, slowing down. I think many people have actually managed to simplify life a little bit and get a little more grounded. Perhaps a touch less consumerism, a few more family meals, an appreciation for the more simple things that we look took for granted, like eating at a restaurant. I hope that out of this, human connection improves because of this fact. The second is becoming a community. My biggest hope is for a more empathetic and considerate community. I hope that the Black Lives Matter ends up being a watershed moment. It's tipped and I hope that momentum keeps building, not just for all the important challenge of race relations, but for many components of society. Perhaps a more just society can just begin to emerge. For the first time in my lifetime, it feels like we're sort of not fighting for them, but we're actually kind of fighting for us. And that seems unstoppable even when the news of it dies down. I guess we'll see, but the hope is there. And the third hope or silver lining will be athletes actually getting smarter. And that in itself feels like a bigger challenge than solving the educational healthcare challenge in the US. But I'm genuinely hopeful for athletes finally being able to embrace going easy in the easy days, allowing themselves to go in a f for the flow a little bit, enjoy the process, embrace the really basic but critical habits that I believe in. You can say it 150 times, but sometimes it takes a crisis to kickstart the process. At least as a coach, that's how it feels. And so, yeah, I'm actually ho hopeful that athletes get out of their way a little bit, become a little better. And I don't mean that in a demanding godlike complex, like athletes are silly and coaches are no all. But there is a flow to it. There's a rhythm. There's a contextual component of being an athlete in the broader picture. And when those two collide, coming out of it, quite often, wisdom evolves. And when athletes realize where their athletic quest fit in the broader picture, quite often it's liberating. And I see it as that. 
And so, yeah, slow down, becoming more of a community and an evolution in wisdom on what it takes to truly perform. Larry, great questions. Thank you very much. Now, let's go to question four. It is Father's Day, so it is really time to bring in Kyle from Austin, Texas, but I will say originally from Cal Poly fame. Yes, Kyle, thank you very much. And important stuff here. You are going to be a new dad. Congratulations in advance. We've had two questions around parenthood, so I'm going to collide it into one. I'm going to utilize yours. If I'm going to be a new dad, what's the best way to balance life stress of having the new baby with training? Should I just plan for a mini off season or how should I go about doing it? Well, I think it's a super question and let me answer it like this, Cole. Here's the negative first, or it's not really a negative. It's clarity, it's the reality. As a coach, I've seldom seen a new father who of course is present in the family and actively engaged in all of that. But I've seldom seen a new father that's had an exceptional year of racing in the initial year of the firstborn child. Even our pros who've managed to have good results in baby year number one have not really broken through. It's just normal because the other parts of life are amplified. Now, with that, it's not all doom and gloom. And I think it's really important that fathers and new fathers don't put aside training or don't just bench a focused plan. Instead, what you want to do is shift the relationship and the value proposition. And so let's make this first the absolute clarity. This should be a year that has primary focus on your family. I really encourage you to be present. It's challenging but it's an unforgettable time of joy and growth. No new parent that I know has ever said, oh, I just wish I didn't spend quite as much time and energy in the initial months. So after that, your second priority is probably work. That's really important. But to help facilitate those two factors, family and work, it's really important that you retain a platform of resilience. You need to be healthy and vibrant. And there's no better way than a really focused program of resilience and one that's actually structured and progressive at the same time, flexible and dynamic. And so in this time as an athlete, I'd encourage you not really to try to move forward too much. At the same time, you need to absolutely incorporate enough structure that you don't fall into a ditch. So if you were doing 14 hours, do five, six or seven great hours. But you're going to want a high degree of flexibility. You cannot get stuck to a rigid plan. Maybe hit one, two key sessions when the opportunity and your energy arises. But on top of those, mostly go about doing soul-filling work easier, smooth stuff to really retain resilience and create a little escapism. But still, there's lots of buts here. And here's the most important part for you, Cole. And it's equally important for all new dads, the training part. Your training 
it falls behind the needs of the family and the mum. This isn't about you. No. Find time, but never at the expense of doing all that you can do to invest in the full support of mum and baby. The first person to have relief and solo time should be mum, every time. And as the months go on, partner, communicate, the most important component, communicate, plan and align to both find time for yourself. It's going to be critical for you, but the initial weeks is not really about you. And if racing comes and it's feasible, have fun, love and enjoy it, but race free. And by doing that in a really flexible manner, but staying on a structured program, you're going to set yourself up for a running start at year two. I hope that helps with a little perspective from my end. And now we come to question five. It's a quick one. It's a good one. It's the final one from our cruise director, as he likes to be called, Jeff. Doing multiple sessions a day, is it better to double up in the morning or is it better to split sessions in the morning and afternoon? Well, Jeff, Captain, Cruise Liner, thank you very much. The answer to this one is it depends. Oh, I know, I hate to be ambiguous, but let me explain why. I think there are many scenarios beyond just time and efficiency that doubling up in the morning makes sense. Let's think about in a scenario that you might have an open water swim and then you get right out of that swim and you get on the bike. Super, built in right there, there's a little bit of race specificity. You have a chance to work on fueling, hydration and the feeling of going prone into riding. And many triathletes listening will endorse that is a very strange affair. It's also a great time to double up if added recovery time in the day would prove, would prove really fruitful. So perhaps it's a swim followed by an easier run, but the next day you've got a really tough set of bike or run intervals. We're executing the run in the morning and then a nice little feed afterwards. You've got more hours to, feed, to heal and bounce back. But on the flip side, there are also times that splitting sessions makes more sense. Life logistics aside, some athletes just love to perform in the afternoon. And so if you have key intervals to execute, do them when you feel best or not when they're not going to be compromised the least in the big fabric of training. And so sometimes doing a lighter session in the morning and then coming back in the afternoon, bada bing, strong like bull and all of that. There's also a component to having afternoon sessions as almost a transition out of work to life. And so soul-filling easier sessions are often a great way to cap the day. An easy ride or a run is a lovely way to transition from work to the evening meal. It can be an escape or a sort of wind down and it is infinitely healthier than the gin and tonic that your neighbour is downing in pursuit of just taking the edge off and all of that. So just small examples, and I hate to say these, Jeff, with an appreciation that many, including myself, is ultimately, I don't have a choice sometimes, it's about integrating into life. 
And so it often means training when you can rather than when I like. And so I've got no issue with busy time-starved people cramming and saddling things together because of life. After all, it's life. We're not pros. So I hope that helps. And I would say right here, there you go, guys. That's all the questions, five of them. But there is a bonus. And it comes from Kerry, who produces our podcast. Kerry, the hero behind the scenes, thank you very much. She had a great little question, which is, what's the best part about being a daddy to both your athletes and your son? Kerry, that's an easy one. Although I thought about it for a little while. The answer is, it helps me grow as a human. And I feel like I'm contributing to the world in some small way. I love both. Both are challenging. Really challenging some of my athletes. But both of the scenarios of being an, a real parent and also a coach, forced growth and a feeling of connectivity and contribution. With fatherhood, the one thing that I wasn't prepared for was when a friend said to me, look, it's challenging and then it gets better and then it keeps getting better. And I'm eight years in and it's true. Like General performance, it's ever-evolving, the challenge changes, but the reward continues. Control the controllables, do my best, keep trying to get better, knowing I'm never going to be perfect. At least something like that. Kerry, thanks for the question. That's a nice one to finish it. And with that, we finish the day with the Peter Minute. Yes, from the man who trains for an event unnamed, our hero Peter emerged into this week's training with high hopes and enthusiasm. You'll remember brand new shorts, a great fourth week, building confidence. Remember, his approval ratings, I mean, not approval ratings, confidence level, well, they're into the high teens. It's getting lofty, ladies and gentlemen. But it was a tough start to the week this week for Peter. Oh dear. He had a runny tummy. The wave crashed and he was struck down. 48 hours with a little bug. Plenty of bedtime, a little toilet time, feeling weak. But, and there is a but. Peter's been listening to the show. He doubled down on our theme, emerging stronger, some Friday afternoon food, plenty of hydration, and an early start. Peter ventured out on the epic adventure on Saturday. The result? Go on. You want to know, don't you? 17 miles of hilly running, with great success and another deposit in the bank account of readiness. His performance perfume is strong, ladies and gentlemen. We entered the week thinking that the first obstacle was arising, we finished with another small step towards excellence. And that is the Peter Minute. See you next time when we're back to a regular show. Take care. Thanks so much for listening. This has been the Purple Patch Podcast. 
If you like what you hear, we'd really appreciate it if you share with your friends and even go the extra mile and head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate and review the show. The Apple Podcast link is in the show notes. Your support and positive reviews go a huge way in increasing our visibility and also the exposure to time-starved people everywhere who want to integrate sport into life and ultimately thrive. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Cheers!